Earth 2, a world much like our own, yet slightly different. There, young and old have joined forces to battle evil, the newest heroes joining the champions of the Golden Age, presenting Tales of the Justice Society of America. McDonald's all that often? No, almost never, really. Okay. Every once in a while, I get a hankering for, like, a double cheeseburger. You know? You know people... <laughs> I, I, I say that double cheeseburger is my kryptonite, and it's actually very, uh, very apt because uh, it, it is not good for me and will one day kill me, so... Yeah, exactly. If I, if I, if I keep eating it, but... um. But when you went, did, did did you ever did you like Big Macs at all? Well, I mean, when I when I used to go there, yeah, yeah, I was very much the uh, you know, yeah, I'll have two Big Macs and a fillet of fish and fries and a small diet cola, please. So yeah, I was that kind of guy. <laughs> so what did the tapeworm eat? I mean, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Well, McDonald's has a new thing that they're offering on their menu that I'm completely fascinated with. They basically took the contents of a Big Mac and put it in a tortilla. Mm. I don't know how to feel about it. Part of me wants to try it. <laughs> oh, I would say don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> well, for one but thing, again, not only does that sound like it's pretty much you know, uh, um, you know, the the old fashioned standard of a heart attack in a bun, but now it's a heart attack in a shell. But the other reason, besides dietary concerns, that I stopped eating at McDonald's was, you know, it just doesn't taste good. It, there's something changed at McDonald's from from when I was a kid when you'd go and McDonald's was actually good to where it's like the last umpteen times I ever ate at McDonald's. It just tastes like shit, you know. I can tell you exactly what happened. I was I was I, it was in a two year period. I worked at McDonald's twice. First time we it was the old fashioned. We cooked the burgers. We dressed the burgers. We put it up top, they wrapped it, and they put it under the heater. Mm-hmm. Two years later, they went to the queuing method, where they would cook the meat ahead of time, they would put it in steamers, and then when somebody ordered something, they would, you know, you know, we'd make the burgers, microwave it, and put it out front. Now, they have all the food pre-made, and they make it as soon as you order it. And the problem, there, there's a good thing in that, in that you can get it any way you want it, because... I know you remember this. It, it used to take a fucking act of Congress to get no onions on a burger right. at McDonald's. Right. You waited forever. Oh uh, yeah, try ordering the fillet of fish with no tartar sauce or no cheese yeah. on it. And yeah, can you pull ahead, sir? Ah, oh, Jesus, I hated that shit. Yeah. So, but but we got to get into this show. I was just I was just, just kind of curious about your thought. Don't about do it, man. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> friends, don't let friends eat Big Macs and tortilla shells. <laughs> Hey everybody, and welcome back to Tales of the Justice Society of America. I am Michael Bailey. And I'm Scott Gardner. And this week we're going to kind of do what we did last week, just uh, hopefully with a little more brevity. We're going to jump right into your emails before getting to what is so far my favorite issue of All-Star Comics that we've covered. Uh, Definitely, I think, the strongest on both the writing and artistic front. 
But uh, we're, before we do that, we've got an email from Dion Cottrell. Hang on, I'm, I'm still looking up brevity on, on Wikipedia. I need to know what this <laughs> word means. <sighs> See what i got to work with, guys? <laughs> That was mean. Uh, Dion writes, don't feel too badly about the email drought. I'm sure folks are anxious to hear their comments on air, but patience is still a virtue. And I suspect most listeners understand that not every episode can accommodate time for email. Dion hasn't heard the last one yet, apparently. (laughs) Um, Thanks, as always, for reading my comments. Until next time, Dion. uh, Aging. This is his first note. Aging, as, as in the case of Bruce Wayne in All-Star Comics number 67, stands as a crucial aspect of Earth 2 storytelling. And as we've discussed before, it's one of those elements that we fans tend to enjoy and appreciate, especially in establishing differences between Earth 1 and Earth 2 versions of the characters. The hero's morality is a worthwhile theme in any of it, or mortality, excuse me, I left out the T. <laughs> the hero's mortality is a worthwhile theme in any event, and it's much easier to implement when we see heroes get older, exhibit frailties, etc. Further developments for Bruce will take th- that theme to its extreme, so I'll save any further thoughts until later. Yeah, don't spoil ahead there, Dion. <laughs> Belated kudos and congratulations to Michael for his new gig as co-host of Back to the Bins. You guys have a wonderful rapport, and it truly makes both that show and this one lively, interesting, even zany. (laughs) Yes, zany! Rest assured, Scott, I've been listening to Back to the Bins for the last couple, three months, and plan to keep on keeping on. Yes! Roped in another one. And Jose is more than welcome to ride shotgun with me, though I'm not sure I deserve much credit. My claim to fame is being long-winded enough to email after every flipping episode. <laughs> well, that's my that's my claim to fame too as a podcaster is being long-winded. It still shocks the hell out of me to be invited to other shows. I'm like, you know, I'm the verbose guy, right? <laughs> And I say that, and most people go, well, we want you to talk. It's just like, okay, you, you fucking asked for it. Uh, you called down the thunder, and now you're going to get You're going to get both uh, barrels. Yep, exactly. Three, any number of casts are devoted to current goings-on. As an older fan myself, I appreciate and understand your desire to discuss what's awesome about the comics we enjoy and appreciate from the past rather than wallowing complaints. Oh, we'll still complain. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are serious problems with today's stories, creators, etc. Yes, fans needs to actively work to remedy them. Even so, we can learn a lot about the hobby and ourselves by looking back at what made today's best comics possible, i.e. the vast catalog of past stories we already have and can still enjoy. Amen. For geek culture in quotes, has changed enormously over the years, and I'm afraid many older fans of all stripes, superheroes, magic, Star Trek, Transformers, etc., are the casualties. Part of this trend comes down to the mainstreaming of all things geek, including the bandwagon crowd who now love superheroes, for example, because of this or that movie. Older fans understandably feel anxious about it all because it feels like our emotional investment, our sweat equity, if you will, hasn't kept others hasn't kept others from co-opting even claiming our beloved character stories and accoutrements. Yeah, we discussed. We went on with that for a lot last year, uh, last week, but uh I just got to I, I just got to say Dion, I love you, buddy. I loved this email. I Yeah, did. that was very good. I liked everything. Put into it. words so much better all the bitching I've been doing for the like the past couple of years now in in just a couple short to the point sentences and I love it. And I I, I want a t-shirt that says I'm a I'm a I'm a victim of geek cult or a casualty rather. I'm a casualty of geek culture. <laughs> 
you know, we could put a Tales from the JSA logo on the front oh, and have that on the back. That would be People awesome. People would probably buy it. Until we got sued still. by DC and you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have somebody design us a very general looking Tales <laughs> <laughs> logo. <laughs> Okay, what do we got next? We got, as soon as I flip to the next page here, okay, we got another one from Jose Rivera. Uh, <laughs> I love the uh, title of this one. It's Never Go to Middle Earth Again. <laughs> he says, hey, guys, for the love of God, All-Star Comics number 67 was painful. They wasted an issue on this. The JSA goes up against a dull villain. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine I'd be wishing to see Xanadu again over Aaron and his race of underworld boogermen. I love that boogermen <laughs> caught on, by the way. Yeah. But I will agree, the art was outstanding. I'm reading these in trade, so I had a chance to compare Wallywood's art and Staten's, and it looks like the product of two different eras of comics which I guess helps with the Justice Society as it makes them seem timeless. I'll agree with that. About the whole Crusaders thing between the Freedom Fighters and the Invaders, the way I understood it, uh, it was one of the rare unofficial DC-Marvel crossovers. The Crusaders and the Invaders were patterned after the Freedom Fighters, and the Crusaders and the Freedom Fighters were patterned after the Invaders. That's what I had thought, too, but I wasn't exactly positive of that. Yeah, I messed that all up just because I couldn't remember it clearly enough. You're fired! says, I guess this was supposed to be the second wave of these as the JLA and Avengers did something similar. The JLA fought the Warriors of Angor, who were patterned after the Avengers, and the Avengers fought the Squadron Sinister slash Squadron Supreme, who were patterned after the JLA. I always uh, love those stories. Uh, or excuse me, I always love stories like this because they were uh, there were always these hidden urban legends amongst comics fans. But these were the urban legends that turned out to be true. It adds another fun layer to crossovers and having your cake and eating it too. And by having your cake, they mean crossover and eating it too, meaning uh, meaning not getting sued. <laughs> I, I think a lot of emphasis has been put on that on over the years about you know one company suing the other, and I, I honestly I don't see it anymore. There there's such. Uh, it's almost like a almost incestuous relationship, if you will, between Marvel and DC at this point, with them having shared so many creators and ideas and swipes yeah. back and forth and cover homages and the whole nine yards. That I don't know, unless one of the other companies did something absolutely blatantly ripping off something, I I don't really see that anymore. I think in a lot of the ways that was played up over the years because they were playing to us as the fans, but that's just me. Well, 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 there was that, really quick, there was that team of heroes in Superman, in the last arc of Jeff Loeb's Superman Batman, which was the Ultimates. That's, you know, he just basically renamed the Ultimates and they were kind of the, the, the heavies. So that it still goes. Yeah, there's been a lot of that stuff because the the guys, the the team there that Hank Henshaw was a part of. I mean, they were blatantly the Fantastic Four down to the point that when Mister Mischievous Pitlick went uh, at the end of one of his stories, went to the Marvel U and fought the Fantastic Four as the Impossible Man. 
Yeah, that was Superman number fifty. Those were that was a page drawn by John Byrne. So, mm-hmm. so. and there was even a what a revolt in development uh, coming out of a rocky orange thing sitting in the corner. Right. So <laughs> that was awesome. See, I love that kind of stuff. Love it. Anyway, he goes on to say, uh, "Is it me, or are the hostess ads getting weirder and weirder by the week?" <laughs> no, it is not you. Because a pigeon woman who had the quote a brilliant idea to steal statues in an attempt to rob America of its history seriously, as if fucking textbooks weren't still around, even if this god awful even if this god awful plan did work. Here's what I find hilarious about the villains in these ads. You wonder why they never succeed? Because these are the lowest level of villain. If cream and sugar is there to stop them at every turn, do we even need superheroes? <laughs> I want to see a hostess ad where the villain comes close to his goal but sport, uh, spots a random kid from two blocks away removing the plastic off their hostess cake and proceeds to have a nervous breakdown, even though the kid has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> In fact, better yet, let's see a where are they now piece where all the villains, uh, with all the villains, and have someone mention a hostess cup, cupcake and watch them have Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to jump into uh, more of the Levitt State and Run and make sure DC uh, keeps that moratorium on races from beneath the Earth's crust. Jose Rivera. I have to, uh, I have to agree with him on that. Um, yeah. Wow, the booger men sucked. I, you know, I think most of those subterranean races we've seen in Marvel or yeah. most of them do. I mean, some of them are cool in a kitschy, silver agey kind of way. Like I always had a soft spot for the lava men. Don't ask me why, but I always thought they were kind of cool, <laughs> and I always liked the big ass monsters that the mole man had. But it's just, it's the simple fact of over the years, there have been so many of them. It's like, if you came up with one, like Marvel came up with the Lava Men, and that was it. That was the guys that lived underground. But then you've got so many other races that it seems like their their Earths, whether it's Marvel or DC, are positively overrun with subterranean... There's more people living under the Earth than on the surface of it. It's well, ridiculous. It, well, there is that theory that the Earth is expanding. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's because there's too many goddamn lava men. It's about to pop like a tick. You, you've heard about that theory, though, right? The expanding Earth theory, and that explains how Pangea was broken up, that the Earth is actually getting bigger as time goes on. Uh, no, I hadn't heard this one. Yeah, you know where I heard that from? No. Neil fucking Adams. Oh, that's a big yeah, proponent of. I heard him on Coast to Coast AM one. Yep. And I was like, "Wow, love you, buddy. Your art's fantastic, <laughs> but you're a fucking nut job." <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And I say that with utmost respect. Yes, man. I really yes, love me. Neil Adams, but wow, if he was serious about the shit he was espousing, whew, yeah, yeah, just you know. Him and Jim Aparo are my two favorite Batman artists ever. Love his Superman. Just keep quiet. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, we, we got an email from David L.M. Preston, who sent us a uh, Hostess Watchmen parody, which was very, very yes. funny. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll post a link up to that in the show notes, if we remember. <laughs> uh, was that a dig, sir? Was that a dig? 
<laughs> no, that was a dig towards me because I am horribly bad about forgetting. Oh, I, I do that all the time. I'll be like, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes, and then I, pff, that never happens. So yeah, I know what you mean, but yeah, I will. I will make every effort to remember to do that. We got uh, we got an email from John Wilson, and John Wilson writes. Uh, Michael and Scott, uh, before I begin, do you prefer Michael or Mike? You sign your name as Michael everywhere, but I'll call you Mike if you want. I, uh, you know, call me Mike, it's easier. I like Michael when I'm, you know, like posting stuff because I think it sounds a little more professional. Uh, Somebody told me it's because you're a pretentious bastard, but, you know, whatever. Well, maybe I'll start putting my middle initial in my name. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) Right back at you. Um... And I'm not pretentious, I just pretend to be. Uh, <laughs> pretentious fans are the ones that think they know as much about it as we do. So Ooh. A, friend of mine, a friend of mine said that once, and I fucking love it. Yeah, that's very funny, actually. Um, and Scott, do you prefer Scott or Scott? I prefer Sir. Uh, or or you your, your, your Majesty works, too. <laughs> I'll call you whichever you like. I'll even I'll even call you secret names when you're when you're alone if you play right. What the hell is going? This email just took a dark turn. Yes, it did. <laughs> so, so, suddenly, it's like we are both reaching for the www.getafuckingrestrainingordernow.com. Well, that's so, uh, our show. I've got to go. <laughs> I've got to go hide my life. Um, just got through listening to the latest ep. I was amused that more than half the episode was emails. Not that I'm complaining. I love listening to emails. Yeah, yeah, I hope you do. love last week. <laughs> I just hate it when you don't read mine. But that's okay. I'll kill you later. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm really nervous. Yeah, I've been, I've been uh, communicating with him quite a bit, little bit through the uh, little chat feature on Facebook lately. And he didn't come off as like a, a complete psycho at all in any of those conversations. It's kind of strange. Uh, one note I had while you were reading Scott's vehement reverse racism towards sandheads and manga nerds and the like. Now, Scott, you know that people like what they like, and as long as they're not trying to shove their Mormon-level fanaticism for childish drivel at you, then let's leave them alone. Personally, I like Sandman and jumped on that boat just as the series was ending. I have nothing against Sandman, yeah, that either, was, but it's kind of... You were the one that brought Sandman up, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which, but which he, is all right. That's uh, that sounded wrong because it sounds like I'm throwing you under the bus, which is not my intention. But it was that was just an example that we gave. We weren't not specifically yeah. picking on Sandman. It was just an example. I mean, you can throw out a lot of other things besides. I'll throw yeah. out. I'll throw out Grant Morrison. You know, yeah. he's another one that I think. You know, with apologies to some of my friends that are really into Grant Morrison, I think a lot of Grant Morrison followers are pretentious motherfuckers. And I heard it excellently today in a show that you did way back when. I wish I could quote episode numbers to you, and I can't. But it was a show that you and Shag did. And Shag went off on a... Or no, I'm sorry. Maybe it was Brad Douglas. I think it was Brad Douglas. One of the two of them went off on a great rant about Grant Morrison fans. And it was, it was probably Shag. And it was all about, you know, how if you don't get it, you know, there's something wrong with you and, you know, it's your fault that you don't. And I loved it. I, I love it because it's exactly how I feel about how so many of those people treat the rest of us that don't worship yeah. the ground the man walks on, you know, so. And I honestly have nothing against Sandman, but I, I kind of equate it to, like, NASCAR. You know, I don't really 
hate NASCAR as a sport. You know, driving 200 miles an hour in a circle does require a certain level of skill because there is strategy to it. I just hate the fucking fans. You know, and the fans will ruin something faster than anything, mm-hmm. you know. So it's the same with Alan Moore. I'd like Alan Moore more. God, I he just doesn't have a good name <laughs> for that. But uh, I'd like him more, but I can't take these people that, you know, consider him the end-all, be-all of comic book existence. He's, he's not. I consider myself quite the Alan Moore fan, and even I can acknowledge that he's had some serious fucking clunkers. So, you know, yeah, no shit. Uh, I'm rereading the series along with the From Crisis to Crisis Superman stuff because uh, we just got to the premiere of the first issue. You'd think synchronizing my Sandman and Superman readings would be unnecessary, but you'd be wrong. And as far as manga and anime go, I loved Voltron as a kid. I went through a brief... Uh, this is why you gave me this Toku one. Tokusatsu phase a few years ago. That's live-action superhero TV. It's a whole genre in Japan where we got the Power Rangers. But right now, did you ever watch the Spider-Man show? I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> but right now, Lily and I are making our way through Dragon Ball. Cliche, I know, but we like it. So you can just smack me in the manga section of the bookstore next time you see me. Hey, that that's cool. Hey, whatever you're into, honestly, whatever you're into. But you know what's really funny? I totally forgot to point this out last time, and I really wish I had because I think it's very funny. I got at least three of those letters I told you I was going to get and a couple of instant messages from people that did the exact thing I told you they were going to do, which was, hey, man, what, what what manga have you ever read? Let me tell you about this one. Let me tell you about that one. Oh, there's also this anime movie you got to see, and it's like, no, I'm not picking on anybody. I do appreciate it when people try to you know, yeah. enlighten me and, and give me a little bit of, of their culture and try to bring me into the fold. However, how do I say this nicely? When it comes to manga and anime, it's, it's I'm a lost cause because you can't swing me over. It's like trying to convert me to Mormonism. It's just not going to fucking happen. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really glad you're into your thing, but when it comes to those two, I'm happy to be close-minded. I just it's something about it that just rubs me the wrong way like a fucking cheese grater. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you, you it, it could be the most brilliant film or comic book ever, but if it looks a certain way, I just don't care. Right. So John continues, but superheroes are my first and greatest love, of course. The issue was a mixed bag for me. Other than the occasional moments, this whole series hasn't really leapt out at me as greatness. Not to say I'm not enjoying it, because I am, but I wouldn't run to all my comic book friends saying, Zom, you must read read this. I He's speaking another language. It's computer. It's yeah. It's the uh, read is spelled R three three D, but I recognize it as read. But what is Z O M G? Now I know O M G is oh my god, but what is Z O M G? I have no idea. Yeah, we're see, old. we're old. We um, don't understand this shit. Somebody's got to clue us in. It's probably code specifically so that old people like us don't get it. I guess <sighs> these kids with their hula hoops and their Dan Fogelberg <laughs> records uh, or anything—the hints you've dropped that it's going to take off—are promising, though. And that, did that we say that? The, don't put that yeah. pressure on me. I didn't. I never said that. <laughs> no, that that hint's gonna. Pr- 
pay off this week. I'm telling you that right now. I smiled real big when you said your spotlight this week was The Flash. As Michael knows from other emails, I've just started reading his stuff. I've recently added The Flash and Starman to my roster of DC heroes that I plan to read from start to finish. With the super folks and lanterns, that makes four corners of the DCMV. Yay! That's two things. That, I, that we have said on podcasts, that either you or I have said on podcasts that are now becoming part of the nomenclature, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and damn it, that's enough. Enough, I say. But I'm enjoying his Golden Age stuff, and I really look forward to the Silver Age with the League and the Teen Titans and all that jazz. Well, I will go now. I have a, I have a plate of pizza rolls looking at me. I ate it, but I ate a couple, and they taste like ass. Not even good junk food kind of ass, but the, like the pizza rolls died in the freezer kind of ass. Ah, oh, well, maybe I can be saved by corn dogs. Later, John M. Wilson. He needs to start signing it, John M. Wilson, ass connoisseur, because that's awesome. I've never met an ass connoisseur before. <laughs> Was that just wrong? I'm sorry. A uh, little bit, but that's okay. Whoa, we got another one from him. Yeah, I was about to say, I was a little a little shocked. Oh, I like this one, too. Not that I didn't like the last one, but I like this one, too. Um, this one is, let me see, just titled Episode 8. He says, uh, my response to your response to my email. What did we email back, I wonder? I don't... No, you, uh, you talked about the Star Trek The Motion Picture thing two weeks ago. He talked about that in his original email, that he liked the fact that you... Ah, okay. All right, okay, I got, yeah, because he goes right into it here. He says, Scott, uh, do you think Star Trek V gets panned more than Star Trek The Motion Picture? Personally, uh, that is the only Trek film that just failed. It has a couple good moments, but overall, I can't really stand it. Now, if you agree and are interested, the novelization is actually pretty decent. It fleshes out the backstory of some characters and scenarios, turning a, shan- uh, a shambles of a movie into a half-decent sci-fi story. So if you are disappointed in the film, there is redemption out there. Wow, this could be an entire episode right here about Star Trek V. So I'm going to keep my comments very brief and just say, does it get panned more? I don't know. It's a, it's a matter of what's, where you've looked and what you've listened to or whatever. Um, yeah. I think it gets panned as much. Um, I think in the case of Star Trek V, though, I think it deserves its criticism a lot more than Star Trek The Motion Picture does because I think this Star Trek The Motion Picture is an excellent movie that a lot of people just for whatever reason they, they just don't like it. I was tempted to say don't get it. That sounds very pretentious like more some people and I don't mean it that way. <laughs> I bet you Chris, Chris Johnson hates when I really bust on Grant Morrison and I don't do it purposely just to wind him up. I swear to God I don't. But uh, Chris is a good guy. Chris is an excellent guy. Anyway, in short, you know, I have the novelization to five, and I can't remember for the life of me if I've ever read it or not. I, I'm, but I, I will eventually get back to it because I'm. Whenever our, the day finally comes, probably when I'm in my dying days, and I finally catch up on all the Star Wars books, I want to actually read through all of the Star Trek books as well. So that'll be on good the list. Luck. But yeah, no kidding. But uh, in short, now for one thing, I like. Star Trek V a lot um, but there are vast problems with it and, and it's a lot harder for me to overlook those problems like I do the ones with Star Trek the motion picture because you know a lot of the problems are basic 
filmmaking problems, whereas I don't think Star Trek the Motion Picture has filmmaking problems. It just has some uh, pacing issues. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, eventually we will get into all of this on Two True Freaks. It's going to take a little time before we get to Star Trek V, but we will get there eventually, and and we'll do some serious in-depth analysis. But, you know, long story short, I, I dig the movie. I like it. I know... Uh, what Shatner was going for and it helps me appreciate that movie a whole hell of a lot better to me the problem with that movie is it just completely falls apart at the end but a lot of the blame with that can't be put on Shatner but unfortunately it it ends up being put on him because people just don't know the whole story of the behind the scenes bullshit that went on with the making of that movie but uh, I think it was a pretty good movie and was rolling right along up to the point where they finally go down to the god planet and then the rest of it just kind of degenerates from there anyway moving along uh, he says yes torrents I'm all about torrents I download them I upload them my torrent handle is and he gives it and I'm not going to give it here because I don't know that that's a good idea yeah probably not a good um, idea and he just says, uh, and I've been assembling packs of complete Spider-Man and Superman chronologies uh, that are available on Heat.com and Demonoid.com. Uh, I read as I build, so they're slow going between packs, but I plan to make them as complete as life will allow. Uh, there is also a project up on Heat called the More Than Complete DC. It's a MTCDC by Joshua13. If you haven't seen it, it is everything ever scanned in DC's library from New Fun Comics in 1935 uh, to the end of 2009. It clocks in at re- roughly 700 gigabytes, but it's worth it. Wow. I, I, I have, I'm sorry? I have one thing to say to that. <clears throat> What's that? I really appreciate that all this material is out there, and I really appreciate that a lot of younger readers are reading through decades of Superman and Spider-Man and all that uh, through torrents. Oh, I like it. Yeah. My only issue with it is... It's going to come off... I think it's kind of cheating. But it's not, but it is. Because, okay, let's take Superman, for example. My Superman knowledge comes from 20-some-odd years of reading the books. Right. And studying the characters and reading back issues. And suddenly, somebody gets a torrent of all of that from Crisis to Crisis stuff, and they're now, in like six months, on par with my knowledge set. And it- No, they're not. No, they're not. I had the same problem a while ago. I had the same thought, but you know where you've got them beat? You lived through it. And that okay. that gives you a very unique perspective on the entire thing, because there I've acknowledged a long time ago that there are people, you know, half my age that know infinitely more about, you know, say Star Wars, for example, than I'll ever know, and that they can retain all the the bullshit minutia in their brains better than I possibly ever could, but where I have them beat was my ass was in the theater seat in 1977 watching that movie, yeah. and, and no amount of studying or anything that they ever do on the subject is ever going to equate to that and so, you know, never feel like, you know, wow you know, it, 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 it it's a wash, because it's really not 
you know, they have all this at their fingertips like we never did, but, you know, we've got the perspective angle on it. And, and that's, okay. that's, I think that's just as valuable, if not more valuable, than, than having this, you know, library at your fingertips to where it's, it's, it might be easier to remember because you can read it in one solid block at a time, whereas, you know, we read it over the span of 20 years and, then, you know, details fade. <laughs> but uh, I've got to check this out for, for if nothing else, he said the magic words, uh, New Fun Comics. And yeah. sadly, um, you know, I got rid of when I sold off my, my New Fun 6. I don't have a scan of that, you know, and, and I did. I was not aware that that issue had ever been scanned. So I would love to have a nice scan of that just to have access to it. Buy a one terabyte hard drive yeah. or external hard drive yeah, for that. Shit. Jesus. Wow, that's yeah, that's crazy. Um, he goes on to say, uh, the title I currently buy for my daughter is, I think this is in response to, uh, I asked him to uh, let us know about that. You know, yeah. what, what titles uh, he was into. Uh, the title I currently buy for my daughter is Marvel's adaptation of the Oz books. Uh, those have some phenomenal art and she really enjoys them. They're based on the books, not the movies. Uh, but I read a lot of things to her. We're currently working through Marvel's Ultimates titles. She enjoys some of them, uh, some more, the, some more than others, and some is over her head. Ultimate Spider-Man is her favorite, uh, but we just finished the Ultimate Galactus trilogy, and she really liked it. We also have been reading post-Crisis Superman and Silver Age Marvel titles. Ugh, you're reading post-Crisis Superman to your girl. Oh, God, post, uh, okay, post-Crisis on Infinite. I was thinking post, like, Infinite Crisis, and I was like, oh, that poor kid. But, yeah, the post-Crisis stuff is excellent. Uh, Silver Age Marvel titles, Fantastic Four, Amazing Spider-Man Adventures, and X-Men. Uh, things she reads on her own and enjoy are Supergirl Showcase, Supergirl Cosmic Adventures in the 8th Grade. I hear wonderful things about that book. Bone, and uh, my youngest uh, just discovered Bone and really likes that. Um, Dragon Ball. And she really liked uh, the Mary Jane and Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane titles aimed at the tweeny audience. Uh, so that may give you an idea what kids like. Uh, she started reading comics, uh, we rather, started reading comics together when she was six and a half with the Silver Age Marvel stuff. And she just had her eighth birthday yesterday. Oh, well, tell her happy birthday belatedly from us. Uh, tonight, several little girls are coming over for a slumber party, and I'm very afraid, he says. <laughs> yeah, I actually talked to him that night on Facebook, and I'd had a really bad day at work. He's like, well, I'll trade you. i got a bunch of little girls here at a slumber party. And suddenly I was like, you know, th there's no good answer to this. Because if I say no, then it's like, what, you know, coming over and spending time with my daughter isn't good enough for you? And if I say yes... Um, that gets into creepy territory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, it's just like, so have you stopped beating your wife? You know, it's <laughs> like, you can't say no or yes to it. So <laughs> He says, Michael, I totally see what you mean uh, with the index book. However, since the book is coming to an end, uh, I'm glad they did what they did. What what book is he talking about? Uh, it's uh, Marvel did the official Marvel index again, and what I thought, this is my own fault. What I thought they were going to do is start at like Fantastic Four number one mm -hmm. and go through every Marvel book chronologically, which I think would have been great. Right. But what they did was they started with the first appearances of Spider-Man, the X-Men, and Iron Man, and just followed those three properties. Oh, okay. And I thought it was kind of a disappointment. Is this a Marvel Saga style 
thing, or is it something? No, it's it, it's an index thing. It's a, remember the old Marvel indexes? Mm-hmm. And DC had indexes too, like the the Crisis Index. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, yeah. So, yeah, oh, okay, they, I thought they, they, I thought those were dead a long time ago. Wow, okay, that still sounds kind of interesting, though. He says at least we have a complete chronology for uh, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and the X-Men. Theoretically, if the book were guaranteed an extended run. Uh, I would greatly prefer your notion of a month-by-month index of Marvel's library, but as uh, as it is, I'm happy with what we got. Uh, of course, if my favorite characters were the Hulk and Captain America instead of Spider-Man and the X-Men, then I'd uh, probably feel differently. Yeah. On a minor note, the reason I say I wouldn't apply my problem with magic plots to Harry Potter is that the author is consistent. She sets up rules and she follows them. Maybe she pulls magic out of Harry's... Uh, naked on stage ass in the next to last chapter but at least she introduced it in chapter 4 and talked about it throughout and follows the rules she created in book 2 all the way through to book 7 uh, you guys were you guys kind of talked about that kind of thing on your uh, you and Chris and Mike Poteet did with uh, when you guys were talking about Star Trek 2 and, and he brought up Chekhov's thing of you put a gun on the stage in act one mm-hmm. so that someone will use it in act two right so that's kind of following that rule right well i mean harry you know i threw harry potter out there having my only exposure to harry potter is is the movies i've never read any of the books or anything like that so going strictly by the one or two movies i had seen it felt to me very much the same as like say a doctor strange story for example where he'll get in a jam and you know he'll reach in his pocket and pull out you know the toenail of whatever and and get out of the decision i'm like i hate stories like that so i had the impression just from the one whatever harry potter movie it is with the flying keys that was the point where harry potter lost me completely i was kind of digging that movie up to that point but but keys with wings is just beyond my bullshit level i just couldn't (laughs) hang with that you know with apologies to all harry potter fans out there i just could not that that's where i was like no this just lost me so that's that i just had the feeling that it was the same but but if it is as you say that you know she she lays out a, a set of rules and she follows them and he doesn't pull things out of his ass to to save himself magically like you know seemingly all other magic characters do then that's awesome you know that hopefully that's part of the reason why he has such a such a uh, rabid fan base and all that. They, you know, kudos to her if if she really is playing that way because Lord knows, you know, few other magic things ever do follow any sort of rules that I've ever seen. Um, he wraps it all up by saying, "If there was something I missed that you remember uh, wondering about, just write back." I just pulled down the DC Special Twenty Nine episode, so I have to go now. Podcasts are calling to me; they keep calling to me. Cue the Nine Inch Nails, and sorry, I don't get that reference either. John M. Wilson, thank you, John. All righty, I guess we're gonna jump from the emails right into the main feature, which is All Star Comics number sixty nine. Has a cover price of thirty-five. Is this the first cover price of thirty-five cents? Uh, no, I think they've been thirty-five for a little bit now, haven't they? Yeah, shows how much I'm paying attention. 
Anyways. Uh, wanted one co-host that does not sleep through episodes. Inquire within. So, Will S. is not up for that? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh! <laughs> That's a good singer. If he listens to this, he's going to be like, those sons of bitches, I thought they forgot about that by now. <laughs> Oh, there hasn't been a good uh, Sanchez sleeping through the uh, through the episode joke in a long time. <laughs> it's got a cover date of December 1977. It is titled "United We Fall." It was written by Paul Levitz, with art by Joe Staten and Bob Layton. And we actually have a roll call this this issue because they remembered to put it in there. Uh, we've got Doctor Fate, Our Man, Flash, Power Girl. Green Lantern, Robin, Star-Spangled Kid, Hawkman, Wildcat, and five fabulous co-stars. <laughs> so. so the JSA return to their brownstone as Bruce Wayne and the police wait inside. Green Lantern expresses some shame about his recent behavior, but Power Girl diffuses this by asking him to, you know, let him into the fucking headquarters because he, she's sick of his whining. <laughs> okay, that's not what happened. It's what happened in my head. Sometimes that's more entertaining than what's going on on the page. Anyways, inside they are confronted by Bruce Wayne, who wants to arrest them for reckless endangerment. Power Girl looks like she kind of outs him as Batman in front of the officers. Yeah, that was one of my notes. Yeah, we'll come back <laughs> to that big time. Too. Yeah. And while she is giving him what for, one of the trigger-happy officers shoots her with a very powerful, nondescript weapon. After she falls, it's on like Donkey Kong, and the JSA make short work of the GPD. The, the society escapes to seek medical attention for Power Girl when Robin and Our Man show up. Good timing, guys. Uh, Bruce activates Rob Robin's trouble alert thingy. Wouldn't you think that Our Man would have a watch? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. And after he uh, activates the alert, Ted Knight, Charles McKnighter, and Diana Prince all receive a summons. As the JSA leave the secret hospital, not the one that Mary Jane starred on back in the 90s, just a secret hospital, a cowled figure watches from the shadows. The JSA head, head to the Batcave. And in short order, another fight breaks out between the semi-retired members of the team, uh, Starman, Dr. Midnight, and Wonder Woman, and the current team. Back at the hospital, the cowled figure watches as Clark Kent visits his cousin. Back at the cave, the fight continues until Superman breaks in and says he has had enough of their shit. Uh, he has brought Power Girl with him, and she reveals that Bruce was also under the Psycho Pirate's control, but his quote-unquote spell was never broken. So Dr. Fate does that, and in short order, uh, Bruce is back to his old self, and if, uh, well, his old self, if he's, you know, crying on the ground, begging for Power Girl's forgiveness, uh, but he feels very bad for his behavior, especially towards the previously mentioned Power Girl. Order is restored, and the cowled woman thinks that now that all is right, her work can begin. And I love this issue. Mm -hmm. Top to bottom, absolutely love it. Uh, I, I like the cover. Uh, well, Flash is a little off. His symbol is way too short. And they kind of blow the fact that, you know, Dr. Midnight, Wonder Woman, and Starman are in the issue. Well, also, but, they, okay, they go to such great lengths within the story to not spoil the reveal at the very end, 
going yeah. so far is when they finally show the cowled figure hiding in the shadows at the end where they finally do give us the, the full look at her, we still don't get her name, yet they blow it on the cover. And introducing the Huntress. Well, you know, inside, where the hell's the Huntress? They don't... Uh, it's just... Uh, but, yeah. I, I, did, I did like the roll call on the cover, though. I think it's one of the best they've done. Mm-hmm. Every character looks really freaking good. Mm-hmm. Except Star Spangled Gid, who looks like he's been eating too many Hostess pies. <laughs> I wonder who the he's artist... He's got a fat that, head. <laughs> yeah, he does have a fat head. You're right. I wonder who the artist is that drew the, the headshots for the roll call. I don't know. They're, they're they're really good though. They are, and I like them. But uh, I liked this issue a lot. But you can tell right what era this is written because it's one of those things that reading it as an adult, you're like, wow, the logic of this story does not. Yeah, there, there are all. some incredible leaps here yeah. uh, in fucking logic, and I realize that some of that was intentional. But at the same time, it's like, good God in heaven. So, so let's, let's tackle the first 800-pound gorilla in the room. A quote, a direct quote from uh, Power Girl. Uh, there isn't a man alive who knows the J- JSA better than you do, Commissioner. Going back long before I was part of the team, you know what it stands for. You fought alongside these people, shared their secrets, and now you have the unmitigated gall to treat them like common criminals. Yeah, the the two cops are going, hey, Clancy, what the fuck's she talking about? Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, the other issue... I have, is that he's arresting them for reckless endangerment. Isn't that what superheroes do? Well, not only that, that's a pretty minor charge when you, you know, put it up against, like, kidnapping and murder and rape and all that. You know, reckless endangerment. Basically, theoretically, what should have happened is the JSA should have went along quietly, made bail, attended their court date, (laughs) you know, paid a fine, and that be it. Not very exciting. No, it's not. But you're right, though, because that's one of my notes uh, here was that I'm not comfortable at all with the idea of the the JSA fighting the police. Yeah. And they are fighting them ultimately over, you know, a minor. It's not like they're wanted for murder or, you know. You know, you destroyed a planet or something. You know, it's 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 pretty. It is pretty minor in the long run. I, and, and they probably would have gotten incredible leniency from any judge yeah. in the country too. <laughs> well, you know, it is the JSA after all, and you know they've saved America. And you know, it's just like good God. Backing up just a little bit, I had a note about the fact that it says. Uh, as the story starts, it says, A moment ago, or a millennium hence, they were in the 30th century battling side-by-side side with the Justice League and the Legion, and blah, 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 and it goes on and on. It does not, however, specify that they were in the 30th century of Earth-1, and that's an important distinction yeah. because there is no Legion of Superheroes in the 30th century of Earth-2. I just thought that that was worth pointing out. Yeah, I'll agree with that. That's kind of a bizarre thing to not mentioned considering how happy they are to say Earth 1 and Earth 2. Right. And the the, the adventure they just got back from was the uh, the crossover in uh, JLA 147 and 148, which we commented on, upon, you know, commented upon last time, was not the stellar spectacular. It really, by all rights, should have been. 
Yeah. <laughs> it should have. No, really. I mean, JLA, JSA, Legion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Alpha, the the Gamma, and the Omega. I mean, just, yeah. good God. And I mean, I'm a huge Legion fan. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge JSA fan. Just those two alone, you know, <laughs> leaving the Justice League out of it, those two teams alone uh, teaming up should have been absolutely incredible. But it just, eh, it was kind of so eh. What, so what the hell kind of weapon are these cops packing? And do we really want to give such a weapon to beat cops? Because that's basically what they look like. Yeah, this thing is... its Now, is her outfit supposed to be... Well, come to think of it, I, is Superman of Earth 2, is his outfit indestructible? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't, I, you have hit a blind spot. Yeah, I just realized that I actually don't know that. Because so, at first it really surprised me that, that, like you said, they have a weapon that's that powerful... You know that that you know. My first thought was that it it ripped through her invulnerable costume, and then I got to thinking, well, wait a minute, this is Earth too. Maybe her costume's not invulnerable. You know, like because you know Earth, the Earth One Superman of this period. You know, he had the the thing, which quite honestly, I always found it very very silly that his clothes were completely indestructible and could stretch to infinite lengths just because they came from Krypton. I thought that was yeah kind of goofy to be honest with you but I don't know that Power Girl and Superman of Earth 2 if their costumes have that same property or not I'd like to think that they don't actually I'd like to I, I would love to have seen battles with Superman of Earth 2 where he actually got tattered and torn um, my, my third note on this scene is hey Bruce uh, the big fight wouldn't have happened if one of your men hadn't jumped the fucking gun. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it was tense. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it was pretty tense. They were they were at the ready. But basically, one of his men fired on Power Girl and knocked her down. What did he expect the team to do? And at first, he looks kind of horrified by it. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? But then it's followed by, you know, the fight happens. And, no, she falls down, and he goes, "Don't let them intimidate me, you men. You have your orders. Bring them in." And so it's like, "No, you, you idiot! This was you. This is your fault. You're in their pro- on their property, threatening them. What the hell did you think was going to happen?" <laughs> I have a note here for something that I now I'm not able to find where the reference was, but at some point somebody calls her. The Power Girl, like you know, like they refer to Batman as the <laughs> Batman. Somebody refers to her as That's the Power Girl, episode. but now I can't find where it actually was. So, huh, never mind. <laughs> also, well, I got to thinking, the fight in this feels very Marvelish to me, yes. and I'm wondering, yeah. are we seeing the the influence of of Marvel comics in this story? You think? I mean, because this is probably a little yeah. bit. But in a DC sort of way, right? Yeah, it's definitely you know the the DC spin on it. But I, I just the the machinations of how we get the old guard to yeah. fight the current team feels very much like a Marvel trick. It, it's it's like Joe Staten should have drawn a cover of Bruce Wayne in the middle with his arms thrown up, with the old JSA running at the new JSA, like X Men number uh, ninety nine or one hundred, right? 
So <laughs> fight them, my JSA. Fight them. I love when uh, Flash and Doctor Midnight are fighting each other, and uh, Flash, <laughs> said, you know, he's commenting on the fact that Doctor Midnight's pretty much a one-trick pony. He's got the blackout bombs, and he's kind of—he's almost making fun of him. He says, "A blackout bomb, Midnight? Really?" He says, "You never change." Midnight says, I don't need to. The old ways, the legal ways are still good enough for some of us. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. back up, dude. The legal ways? You're a fucking vigilante, dude. There's, there, yeah. there's no legal here, okay? You know, unless vigilantism is legalized on Earth 2, you know, let's put things in their proper perspective, okay? No, I, I really liked watching the heroes getting summoned uh little uncomfortable with how big Wonder Woman's hair is, or Diana Prince's hair. She's... I mean, how much fucking hair has she got pulled up there? But... I don't know... That was... I'm sorry. That was kind of cool. I I don't know why this surprised me so much, but the, the, the panel of her... As a major in, I'm presuming this is the Air Force, or the or maybe it's, well, let me see, it's a blue outfit, so I'm presuming the Air Force. This just surprised me because I, I'm aware of this with the Earth-1 Diana Prince, but for some reason, I don't know why I expected the Earth-2 Wonder Woman to be different in her civilian identity. I just, I guess I never realized that she was in the Air Force on her Earth as well. I thought she did something else, I guess. I don't know why. Would you have liked uh, Wonder Woman to be your superior officer? I don't know. I, I I wonder if she would have been really, really a hard ass, you know, or if she'd have been cool. You know, I, I just wonder about that. But she can be over me any time, if you know what <laughs> um, I don't care that he's on the wrong side. I like the fact that Robin kind of took down Hawkman because I fucking hate him in this series. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so there you go. go. How is how is our man defeating Doctor Fate with a filing cabinet? <laughs> it's a magical filing cabinet. I don't know, but it's cool. Well, <laughs> I got a good one right here on page thirteen. Okay, now I realize that this isn't the Earth One Superman who can hear a, an ant fart on Alpha Centauri, but still, you know, Huntress is lurking in the window. You know, yeah. what, wouldn't one of his myriad of super senses alert him to another person's <laughs> presence? You know, with when she's like five feet away from him. <laughs> no, I'll agree with that. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that completely. Um, actually, he's kind of playing fast and loose with the secret identity thing, too. Mm-hmm. It's just like, why the fuck is Clark Kent here? And I guess maybe this hospital is in on everything. Like, since it's a secret facility, they know what's going on. Uh, but, no, but yeah, I thought of that, too. Is, yeah, why, but that's kind of pushing Yeah, why is Clark Kent... Well, I guess... Technically, you know, if you wanted to try to explain it away, it could be explained away as simply he's there in a in a reporter capacity that he's, you know, I'm Clark Kent with the Daily Star. You know, we heard that a superhero has been brought. Well, wait, then again, it's supposed to be a secret facility, though. So how do the fuck? Yeah, I don't, I don't fucking know, man. I'm not that, or he's not. He's well, he is wearing his glasses because they're kind of there in the uh, shadowing. But uh, that was still cool. It is still I mean, cool. I liked it. I, I actually kind of liked 
the fight in general because, well, one, they had the old school '40s Batmobile with the giant bat head <laughs> on the front. The thing that if <laughs> you I like ever that win one? the lottery, oh, I love that Batmobile. If I ever win the lottery, you could bet there's going to be something like that in my backyard. But when Wonder Woman and Green Lantern are fighting, and it looks like he's about to seriously cop a feel of her boob on page 14, like any second now, that hand's just going to accidentally go down like a couple inches. But uh, Why is there a barn in a silo next to a mansion? I mean, okay. why is there a barn in I, silo on Wayne Manor property? <laughs> well, I can answer that. Mm-hmm. In the old, in the original origin of the Batcave, I don't know about the silo, but he found it because he went out to the old barn and fell through to the cave. Mm-hmm. So that's what I liked about this, that they kind of referenced that. Yeah. And you get more of a sense that this is the Golden Age Batman, that it isn't just, you know, the cave he found underground, but, uh, but, that, but that specific... Uh, reference I appreciated. So. Yeah, I, I remember that too because I, I think I got an old comic that has the, one of those diagrams, yeah. you know, and it, and it shows where the Batmobile it could actually drive up and come out of the barn or something like that, right? Yeah, it's really bad during parties when he does that. It's like, Jesus, Bruce has had too much to drink and he's proving he's Batman again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here was my favorite like silly weird whatever moment of the of the whole issue just one of those things i caught that i was like oh my god that's so hilarious all right you remember how the flash defeated power girl last issue yeah. right all right now in this issue she was mortally wounded or whatever and everybody's all concerned oh she's on death's doorstep and everything so when superman arrives to tell him enough stop the insanity now what's he doing he's smashing through a wall carrying Power Girl in his arms. It looks like he's busting through using her as a battering ram. Now, she just got knocked out by running into a wall last issue, and she's injured, so I just got a big kick out of that, I was like. Yeah. You know, but there's something kind of cool that Superman's the one to come and tell these people to knock it the fuck off. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, because the Earth 2 Superman, as we have mentioned, is the one that won't take any of your crap mm-hmm. and, and if he if he sees something that he you know it's like you know when fdr said i want you to be an army regiment he's like no fuck you <laughs> we're gonna fight for the cause of justice voted for you um but here you know he brings her in and and she she's the one that figures out the psycho pirate thing that's i guess convenient i figured dr fate probably would have thought of that a little before, but you know, it's just I to me, it's just showing uh, Levitt's kind of making her a broader character, no pun intended, than <laughs> just the, the 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 one that's going to spout the feminine philosoph- feminist philosophies or be over the top in that regard, and, and and instead she's just taking more of an active leadership, almost leadership uh, role in the team because she's the one that's constantly telling them to knock it the fuck off which I guess makes her more like her cousin. But did you like this, that he was under the control of the, the psycho pirate? That was what was making him all crazy kooky and altogether ooky? I think it should have worked the other way around. I think it should have worked where Dr. Fate or somebody revealed that the team had been influenced. You know, certain members of the team had been influenced by psycho pirate 
and then Bruce would be like, all right, well, you know, we'll let you off with a warning this time or something to that effect. But, yeah, that, this was the one angle of the story I didn't like. And I didn't like what, – what bothered me about it is that Superman says um, after all these years, one man's evil could reduce them to this. And so he, he's portraying what Bruce has been doing as, as something evil. And I'm like, What? I mean, not really. No, not at all. Actually, yeah, it's not evil. He was just, you know, he was being manipulated, possibly, to go after these guys. But what exactly did he do at any point of his appearances in this title so far that was that could possibly be construed as being evil? You know, he no. It just it, it looked from from the onset that Bruce just thought that these people had gone too far and he was using his role as the commissioner of Gotham City to try to, you know, run rain on them, I guess you could say. But it didn't end that way. It's not a bad way to end it. It's just a little too convenient. I think I agree with you and it's and I and I and I'm not saying this is how I would have done it, but it would have kind of been neater to see you know him real you know it be really a a mistake a a you know once bruce realized what was going on he being a superhero or at least a former superhero would say yeah okay i buy that just right. let's let's, let, let's play nicely now yeah. you know just don't step out of you know don't step out of line or i will be there cuz the and that's the train of logic just doesn't follow cuz you know she yeah. she makes it sound like well duh you know and it's not a well duh at all because the way she says it is don't you see the psycho pirate must have been behind it uh, he must have been brainwashing the commissioner just like he did gl and i'm thinking no 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 he's doing his fucking job as com- commissioner of the police force green lantern just tore up the fucking airport last issue you know, so he's in. He's doing his job. He's doing exactly what he should do. Some asshole tore something up in his city, and he's coming to slap the cuffs on him. What's evil about that? What's mind controlled about that? Other than the fact of the town where I live, and you'd have to mind control the cops to get them to do their goddamn job. But you know, that's a whole different issue. <laughs> Scott Gardner was arrested. Yeah, no, no kidding. Not doing our job, eh? Well, we're going to hold you in with Rapor. My job was to monitor these donuts. <laughs> Damn it, they're gone! <laughs> I've never seen a copy of a donut. Really? I've never seen that in real life. Uh, it's, I assume it's, it happens. It's, it's a cliche for a reason, dude. A stereotype <laughs> for a reason. Dude, when I when I worked third shift on a gas station, I would offer the cops free coffee all the time, and they would never take it. It was really interesting to see. They know. knew you peepeed in it. Well, just once, but, you know, <laughs> I had to go, and it was easier to get up on that step ladder and pee into the giant coffee maker than to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh man, no, but but a really, I I think overall, despite are you know nitpicks which were more than i guess i realized were going to be <laughs> um i think like i said art and writing wise this is the most solid issue oh yeah yet. yeah it, everything looks good the book is this is where the book i think really takes off unfortunately we've got five more issues before it goes into adventure but oh, i got i got one last really good one for you 
Oh, okay, very good. Page 17, that first panel of Bruce Wayne on his knees, and he's crying. There's a coloring error on the back of his head that totally makes it look, look like his wig is slipping off. It's hilarious. Let <laughs> me get back to that. Oh, it does. <laughs> he, uh... He looks really happy to be hugging her, though. Wouldn't you? Well, yeah, but that he tells her, me. and he's still he's still hugging her on the bottom panel. Yeah. It's like, I mean, is it like like a couple minutes go by and everyone realizes he's still holding her? Like, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce, yeah, you, you need to stop now, Bruce. Oh, I was I was just expressing my condolences. Why was your hand on my ass? <laughs> is that a battering in your pocket, or you just haven't seen it? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh man no but great issue yeah it Love was it. And, and it was and it was all oh go ahead i'm sorry i'm sorry i keep walking over you dude i don't mean to we keep walking over each other it's just that kind of it, it, it we it, it's one of those it's been a it's the end of a long fucking day yes it is session, so. uh, but we do have the return not only of uh, of a really great issue, but of really good ads mm-hmm. all throughout this whole thing. Would you like to take the one on the inside cover because you were really excited about it? About the prizes and cash? Yeah, the Olymp. No, wait. I'm sorry. It was the back cover that you're excited about, not the inside cover. Back I'm cover? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to, we'll get to that one. We'll, we will get to that one. Actually, it's in. It's also in the other issue that we're going to talk about, and uh, we yeah. we can split it up and do it that way if you like. But yeah, I'm, okay. I am yeah. very excited about that because wow, you thought the hostess ads were wacky? Wait till we get to that one. But uh, yeah, we got a. Uh, Power fun BB pellet crossman thing where that shows them shooting a BB through an apple, which I still think that's bullshit today. But they used to show that on TV and yeah. commercials, and I don't know. I still think <laughs> I think it's crap. Somebody put a firecracker in the middle. Something, of it. yeah. Now, did you want to talk about the uh, the full page ad here for the Superman Dollar comic? Oh, very much so. I have not read this book yet. But uh, I, I saw it at Dragon Con a couple years ago for $5. I really should have picked it up then. Because I think this is one of those books that you're going to pay about 5 bucks for. If you find it in a 50-cent box, you're really lucky. But this thing, this has such an awesome, awesome cover. Mm-hmm. It has Brainiac and Luther in all of their Challenge of the Super Friends costume glory. Uh, shaking hands and said, we did it, Brainiac, separately. We were always beaten by Superman, but together we killed him. And Superman's on the ground looking 16 kinds of dead. I cannot tell you how, having never read it, not knowing what the story is about, but how excited I am about reading this book simply from the cover. This is tapping into that, oh, that looks fucking awesome feeling. Well, just just keep in mind, though, uh, now... I, I could not tell you one detail about it. I know I've read it, and I know I really enjoyed it as a kid. I haven't read it again since that initial read, but just keep in mind that uh, the interior is by Kurt Swan and Vinnie Coletta, so you yeah. know, it's a step know, down art-wise. But, uh, but yeah, I would like to actually dig this back out and check out the, uh, the article that's in it. It says, 10 writers... Artists and editors tackle the question, should Superman marry Lois Lane? I would love to take a look back at that and see what everybody had to say on that topic. 
But the the thing I really like about this is join the countdown to Superman's 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to see that at the 40th anniversary, DC wanted to celebrate it. At the 50th anniversary, DC wanted to celebrate it. At the 60th anniversary, even to a certain extent, DC wanted to celebrate it. They got to the 70th and said, fuck it. Yeah, Yeah, I noticed that, that there was not much, and I was deeply disappointed, you know. They're like, well, we, 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 we don't like doing stuff like that. The very next year, and two years later, it's like, hey, DC 75, let's get excited. <laughs> and I am, because that's cool, because it's a real anniversary, unlike Marvel. But, sorry, I, I don't buy that 70 years of Marvel when there was a couple decades where they weren't really kicking out. <laughs> superhero title. Yeah, so. they play fast and loose with their time thing because a couple of years, well, I say a couple of years, it's like 20 years actually, but you know, I remember when they had uh somewhere I've got like some Dixie cups and some rings and some other things that they gave away as freebies back when they were celebrating Marvel's 25th anniversary because they were yes, counting they from uh Fantastic 4 number 1. So, you know, make up your mind, Marvel, where where did the Marvel universe start in your opinion? But I, I see, I see where they're going from, you know. Yeah, no, I, I understand where they're going from too. But still, that's yeah, you can't. I mean, are we going to have a fiftieth anniversary in next year? Right. <laughs> I mean, we're, I know we're going to have the fiftieth anniversary of the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. and the year after that, we're going to have Spider-Man and uh, the Hulk. Which I think is going to be interesting. Haven't heard anything about the 70th of Captain America yet, though I'm holding out hope. Well, they didn't do much for the 50th, so we'll, we'll see what they do with the... Yeah, they did. They put out a movie. Uh, that nobody saw. <laughs> well, and the, I have the, it on video. I'm sorry? I have it on video. <laughs> the center spread of this is, uh, again, awesome. It's uh, another, a different... Uh, Neil Adams spread for the uh, CBS Saturday lineup, and it's really cool. We got a lot of classic shows here. A couple that stood out to me was uh, Space Academy. I used to watch that show. It was cool. The Robotic Stooges. Now, for some reason, I really liked that cartoon, and I never liked the Three Stooges, like the live-action Three Stooges, which I know is like some form of heresy not not to like them. But I, I just never found them funny. But the Robotic Stooges, strangely, was actually really kind of fun. And uh, you got the Batman Tarzan Adventure Hour. I liked both of those. I thought both those shows were pretty cool. It's too bad that Batman and Robin look better in this ad than they did on any episode of that series. <laughs> I used to watch it, though. I used to really dig that. I like. I need to pick up that DVD. Oh, is that out on DVD? Yeah, that's the new Adventures of Batman DVD that they that because they released a Superman one from the '60s, mm-hmm. and you would think they would follow that up with the Batman one from the '60s, but they actually did the Batman one from '79 or '77. I'll have to check that so. out. Well, I, I read somewhere recently; it's probably Back Issue magazine that uh, that show, the animated show that used to have ISIS on it, I think it's called like Freedom Force or something like that. That one's out on DVD now too, and I'd love to see yeah. that again because that was some wacky ass shit right there. But speaking of ISIS, there's a really nice uh, Secrets, Secrets of, of ISIS. ISIS. Yeah, this is when uh, I think that Shazam was done by this point. It's just yes. ISIS alone and, and her shows, but I love that, that picture. It looks Ushering dead on many boys, Ushering many boys of your generation into manhood. Oh, hell yeah. Next page 
You know, I got to thinking when I saw this, I think we would have missed this entirely if I hadn't seen this ad, but this is a book we actually have to figure out a way to squeeze into our uh, itinerary for this show. I have to figure out a way to get it. I probably have a CBR. Uh, if I, I'll look okay. it up and see. If I've got one, I'll send it to you. But yeah, because because I'm I'm kind of interested in reading all of these giant mm-hmm. books from this era. Well, yeah, just we, to see what they were like. Well, I know that you and I had talked about doing that on on Back to the Bins. You know, following up our our Superman and versus uh, the Amazing Spider-Man episode by by looking at more of the uh, yeah the the you know the giant size editions. I would love to do that. I really would, and it got me to realizing that there's still a good number of them I don't have. So that would maybe kick me in the ass to track down the ones that I'm missing and, and complete that collection. I'd really like to do that. At least the ones I, I care to own anyway. But this is yeah. uh, Superman versus Wonder Woman. This was a, um, was it a limited collector's? I don't think it says here. I, I can't remember what number it was or if it was, it was either an all new collector's edition or a limited collector's edition. I forget, but it was, uh, it's been a long time since I read it, but I remember it just be fantastic for, because for one thing, it's got a, uh, uh, Garcia Lopez art, which is just Hell great, yeah. and they do lay into each other. I mean, it's really it's a knockdown, drag out fight, and it was really cool. So yeah, I'd, I'd really like to get back into that again. And it's also written by Jerry Conway. That was all new collector's edition C fifty four. Ah, okay. What else we got? Knowing that I wasn't just stalling for time, I was actually trying to contribute <laughs> to the show. But yeah, we'll have to figure out where we can uh, squeeze them. Maybe in the in the break period between uh, All Star or excuse me, Adventure and uh, All Star Squadron, we can figure out uh, a place. We've got uh, another stupid Slim Jim ad. We got another uh, subscribe to DC Comics. But I like the comic that Superman is is holding in that because yeah. that's uh, the one where Luthor. It's an issue of Batman where he was merging Luthor and Superman together. And I forget who the artist is on that cover. It's hard to make it out on here, but it was a cool cover. I want to say it might be Apparel, but I'm not positive. It is Jim Apparel. Is it? Okay. Yes, it is. What else we got? What else we got? Uh, We've got Super Belt Buckles. Oh, the Superman, or excuse me, why did I say Superman? Batman Utility Utility Belt. I had that. And I want to say I went through several of them as a kid, too, because... I can't remember what it was now, but there was something about the buckle mechanism that would wear out to where it just wouldn't buckle anymore. And once it doesn't buckle, you can't wear it. So I remember going through several of those as a kid. (laughs) They have from Ballantine Books, The Golden Age of Comic Books by Richard O'Brien. It's nice to see that the guy that played Riff Raff in Rocky Horror Picture Show... And that was the bald dude from Flash Gordon got got work beyond that. That's that's good to know. That's good. With forty full color reproductions of the covers that helped make comics, includes Batman, Superman. I have never seen this book. I was just going to ask you if you owned it because I, I I I've seen it, but I don't own a copy of it. I don't own it. It's it's something I will want to buy eventually because I like getting books like this, especially from this era. I like that. But, I like the uh, cover. That, that, with uh, you know the Action Comics cover that's shown on the front, I don't know what issue number that is. It's an early one, like twenty three or something like that. But it sure is cool. And we've got color forms. Oh, I miss color forms. I used to like color forms. I liked color forms too. I had a Return of the Jedi color. <laughs> Star Wars: Return of the Jedi makes the action come alive. 
Yes, I You are a commercial. big old dork. Sometimes I forget this fact and you're constantly reminding me. Yeah. Yeah. How many versions of the Star Wars Marvel uh, movie adaptation? Do you have? <laughs> All of them again. Sir? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, finally, as far as ads and stuff, we have another DC publishorial where Jeanette Kahn tells the origin of how the Superman spectacular happened. Uh, that was kind of interesting, the fact that at one point Marty Pasco and Carrie Bates uh, were working on it together, and I guess there were some problems there because eventually it was only Carrie Bates. So. <laughs> they fought to and the death over it. <laughs> And then you wouldn't have got those Swamp Thing comics. That might not have been a bad thing, actually. And at the bottom it says, thanks for calling, and it talks about the fact that the DC Direct Currents hotline that we mentioned uh, about four or five episodes back was so popular, they had to stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was just... They were they, the phone company basically asked them to stop because they were getting so many calls, especially after school. So... Hell yeah, I would have called that shit. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, speaking, uh, we were we mentioned that it was a return of the ads. It is also <gasps> return of the hostess Ooh. ad. If I could find it in the comic, because I lost my. It's face. across from page eight. Thank you. <laughs> and here it is. Oh God! Who was it that asked us? Do we think they're getting weirder? Yes, they are. Uh, it's going to be hard to top this one right here. It. This one is. Oh my God! Yeah. Are we ready for this one? <laughs> yeah, we're all right. Are y'all ready for yeah. this? Dun, 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 what, dun, what parts dun. do we want to tackle here? Uh, I'll be Aquaman. Okay, this time. I'll, I'll, do, the, I'll do everything else. <laughs> okay. okay, this is Aquaman in the Ice Age. And we see this giant, I don't know what the hell it's supposed to be, this giant like head uh, made of ice popping through the ice. It says, Atlantis, the undersea nation, home of Aquaman, is in the grip of a worldwide cold wave. The waters above the Sea King's home have frozen solid. <laughs> but is it just the force of nature? What is this evil head that lurks above? We see it crashing through, going crash and crack. We see Marin, she says, We're all turning to ice. What's going on? We must find out. I'll have to investigate before we freeze solid forever. What is this all about? I am Iceberg Head. I swear to God, I'm not making that shit up either. No. I am Iceberg Head. I'm going to destroy Atlantis by freezing everyone and everything in it. Just because I'm a cold creature, nothing warms me. Nothing, nothing. Aquaman breaks the icicles on his fist, but nothing else. I've always said I'll give up when Atlantis freezes over, but this is ridiculous. Don't be a hothead. It won't help you, Aquaman. Aqualad arrives with a plan. Aquaman, Mira sent this. Give it to the monster. It should warm. <laughs> it should warm up even the coldest of creatures. No, no, not delicious Hostess cupcakes. All that fudge, fudgy icing and cream filling. It just makes me feel happy and warm all over. You win. <laughs> Shouldn't it be a friggin' soggy mess? They're under the sea for Christ's sake. It's still in the plastic wrapping. So. Oh my God. 
later back home. I knew you'd, you'd have a warm spot somewhere in you, Iceberg, or Ice Water Head. I lost my head, and here I am. <laughs> and who's this guy? <laughs> it's just some dude that showed up. He says, chocolatey hostess cupcakes, just the thing to share with warm friends. And they've got, no, the uh, Iceberg Head is like... I don't know, he's like melted down now, and he's inside this container type of thing, and he he looks like Milton Burl eating a cupcake or something. I don't know, who does he look like to you? Uh, who does he look like? I just had it. Like the dude that played uh, Benjamin Franklin in 1776. <laughs> All right, now. I have no idea why. Well, also, they're supposed to, and I, I get the fact that they're trying to convey that. You know, the ice cold wave thing is over and things are warming all up and everything. But you see the sun shining down, (laughs) warming the shit up. And I'm thinking, are they not on the bottom of the ocean? You know, this makes it look like Atlantis is about 50 feet underwater, you know. It just doesn't work. (laughs) Not at all. It's funny. It's hilarious. I am Iceberg Head. So I'm serious, dude. I want to see somebody, you know, somebody really good at, at, at pulling this sort of thing off. Like, I don't know, like Jeff Johns or somebody pull together all of these old hostess villains for some big event book in D.C. I, I swear to God, I would I would love that. You and nobody else. I mean, have we I'm trying to just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of all the villains that we saw in hostess ads over the years, both at Marvel and D.C. and did any of them ever appear again? I think all of them were 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 created specifically for these ads, and then never. Appeared. I think they were too. Yeah, because there's a really probably probably for the best too. Well, I don't know. I mean, there there was. I'm trying to think of what the one was. There was a Spider-Man one. I want to say it was drawn by Ross Andrew, but I could be wrong. And all I can remember about it, it was a female villain. And she's, like, holding Spider-Man's wrist, and he's on his knees. And I'm trying to remember what her name was. That's hot. But she, yeah, she was a hot-looking character. And she looked like she would have been a really good villain. And I, oh, I can't remember. But, I mean, they're, they're, you know, most of them were stupid, like Iceberg Head here. But there were, there were some. Dr. Live. Yeah. But there were some that were kind of cool. Was it <laughs> Madam Web? Maybe it was, like, Madam Web or something like that. Well, that's an actual spider. Yeah, no, no, I know, but I mean, I think I think in that ad, I think her name might have been Madam Web or oh, my, I'm going to have to look it up because it's going to drive me nuts now. But <laughs> well, just let uh, once again, people peek behind the curtain a little bit. We were going to do one more book. The next book, kind of in the, we wouldn't. How do I want to say this? It wouldn't have chronology. Yeah, that's kind of our chronology that we're running by. This would have been uh, uh, DC Superstars number 17, but we realize we're running a little long, and we ran so long last episode that we don't want to punish you again <laughs> this time by running super long. So we will save it for next time. But before we go, we do have Elsewhere in the DC <gasps> Multiverse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right off the bat, we got uh, Batman 292. Which, uh, what an awesome looking yeah that's the that carries on that story that that we discussed a bit last time about you know no I killed Batman no I killed Batman and uh, yeah this one's with the Riddler holding up like a tattered and torn bat cowl and all that great cover love yeah uh, I own that issue of the Flash by the way oh do you 
Yes, I do. It's it's uh, leading up to my really solid run of Flash from 1979 to 2006. <laughs> Convention of Flash Villains is set. Yes, I like that cover. I really do. Got uh, Jonah Hex, number five. I like this Isis 7 cover. I don't think I actually own any issues of Isis, but I was just reading an older back, an older back issue of Back Issue magazine that had a whole feature article on uh, Isis and on the show and the comics and all that, and it actually sounds like it, it'd be worth tracking down sometime. We've got Justice League of America number 147, which was part of that much maligned crossover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the cover to Secret Society of Supervillains number 10, yeah. with uh, with Gorilla Grodd just laying a haymaker down on Captain, a- uh, Captain Comet. I like Captain Comet, too. I think he's cool. Yeah. Uh, limited Collector's Edition C52 looks kind of awesome, too. That's nice uh, Neil Adams cover on that one. I like that one a lot. Aquaman versus one of his stupidest villains in uh, Aquaman number 58, but it's still awesome just because it's Jim Apparel artwork. But, yeah, he fights Is that the, fisherman? the fisherman. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Character. I think the only other one that was that – was Possibly a, a strong contender for Aquaman's stupidest villain was I can't remember his name. I think it might have just simply been the pirate something pirate. But he had a pirate ship that was like atomic powered, but it plied the seas under the waves, which was just like well, isn't that a submarine? Yeah, but I mean it was a pirate okay. ship, but it went underwater instead of on top of the water. It was stupid. It was I was like, oh my god, that's so goofy. But uh, what else do we got here? Superman number 316. Ah, I love that. Oh, yeah. Look, that is just an... And it's an awesome, awesome Jose Luis Garcia Lopez cover. Just, oh, man. I hope this doesn't come off sounding all braggy or something, but this is one of the first months in a long time that I've looked at this, and I don't have a lot of these issues that are shown here. But <laughs> but then again, a lot of them are like Ghosts and Sergeant Rock and Secrets of Haunted House, and I, I never got into Metal yeah. Man. I never got into anything that was too far off the... Uh, the beaten superhero track. So yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of these. Got Zan and Jaina in the uh, in the Super Friends issue. They're showing mm-hmm. here. Batman and the uh, Demon and Brave and the Bold. Uh, that's a really Nazi esque World's Finest cover. Yeah, I like that one. Oh, that's a really neat one. I think that's I think that's Ad- Neil Adams again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow number ninety seven. I think that's a Grell cover. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I need to read yep. that issue sometimes. I have that one. I, I don't think I've ever read it. But, yeah, I love that where uh, Green Green Arrow is coming out of the battery as Hal's trying to charge up, and he's all colored yellow and everything and aiming right at him. It's really cool. a really dynamic cover on that one. And you got Super Team Family with Aquaman and Captain Comet. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an interesting pairing. I've got to read that. You know what? I, I might... I might sneak that one in on a on an upcoming back to the bins because i have that's another one i've got it never read it i love those super team family issues i i was a couple years ago i was trying to finish the run of those and i got a whole bunch of them and and, you know as i'm want to do you know i collected them and then they just sit in a box you know they haven't been read so i have have about a couple thousand that are like that too so don't don't feel too bad they're just sitting there waiting waiting for the day that i finally read them which is another reason why i like doing back to the bins Uh, we ready to to move over to the month this one came out yeah 
This has quite possibly one of my favorite Superman covers of all time on it. Superman number 317. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is a Neil Adams cover. That's the I'm going to beat somebody's ass cover right there. He's he's colored green because he's all hopped up on kryptonite. I had a really (laughs) crappy... (laughs) It makes him sound like a kryptonite junkie. He's all hopped up on... (laughs) I had a really crappy copy of that at one point. I actually plunked down five bucks to get a much nicer uh, version of it just because I liked the book that much. But uh, I I just felt it was important to have a really nice version of it. (laughs) Uh, but we also have the DC Special Series number five, which is that Superman Spectacular. I like the cover on that uh, Black Lightning number five, where I, I, I'm not—I can't remember if that's the Parasite or who it is, but somebody's zapping uh, Superman on the cover of that one. Uh, Freedom Fighters number eleven, <laughs> where they fight the—they—they uh, they never did give those guys a, a name, but they fight a bunch of Native Americans with superpowers, and it's freaking hysterical. I loved that issue. Uh, let's see, what else do we got here? We got a lot of... Lot of That's Superman Family thing. number 186, where it looks like he's about to dash Lois Lane to the ground. Yeah, she had it coming. Uh, Brave and the Bold is Batman and Mr. Miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, got, you got some book called DC Superstars number 17. Nothing ever came out of that. <laughs> uh Detective Comics number 473. Is that another? Yeah, yep. it's a Marshall Rogers. Sure one. is. Uh, I got a nice looking Robin on there, too. Mm-hmm. I feel really dirty saying that I like that Robin costume because it's it's kind of, yeah. But I like it, so there you go. Yeah, Action 477 with Superman looking like he seriously needs to hit some Jenny Craig right there. <laughs> Well, a lot of people need to hit. Yeah, no shit. Especially since she's turned Marie Osmond into a vampire. So there you go. Now, I've got to enlarge this picture of uh, of adventure so I can see it better. But is that a Joe State? No. I don't know if that's a Joe State. No, it's Al Milk. Okay, but I I bet you anything that the interior on that is uh, is going to be a... Um, a Joe Staten Superboy story because he almost Juan Ortiz with Vince Coletta. Oh, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. How can I be wrong? Well, there you go, folks. It happens. I don't know if I have a copy of DC Special Series number six, but if I don't, I gots to get me one because that's the. Oh yeah, that's a badass. Yeah, cover. that's the uh, Secret Society of Supervillains special right there, and uh, yeah, that's supposed oh, to be wow. quite the big deal. Biz- Rick Buckler, or Rich Buckler, did that. He drew Bizarro to look exactly like he did on the Challenge of the Super Friends. Mm-hmm. That's rather impressive. I like Rich Buckler. Yeah, I do, too. I'm looking forward to All-Star Squadron with him. Yeah. Wow, we got two issues of uh, of Jonah Hex in the same month, and this uh, number seven begins the uh, the secret origin of uh, of Jonah Hex, which that was a damn good story. Where he where he killed a mountain lion with his bare hands. Yeah. He's a bad so, motherfucker, I tell you. Right yeah, I was about to <laughs> shut your mouth, but I'm talking about Hex. Well, I can do. He so uh, was... I, I guess that's it, really, for, for the, the more interesting covers that we saw. Um, I guess the only thing that remains is where this book is reprinted. 
Well, once again, I'm a slacker, and I didn't look it up, so I'm assuming that it's reprinted in Justice Society Volume 2 Trade Paperback. Would I be wrong in that assumption, sir? No, you are. You are absolutely right. You've been listening to Tales of the Justice Society of America, hosted by Scott H. Gardner and Michael R. Bailey. You can email the show by writing to talesofthejsa at gmail.com. You can find the show at two, yes, count them, two websites. The first being www.fortressofbailey2.com. You can also find the show and subscribe to it through iTunes at www.twotruefreaks.libson.com. Scott has two other podcasts that he co-hosts on a weekly basis. The first is Two True Freaks, which Scott hosts with his childhood friend and former weightlifting partner of Lou Ferrigno, Chris Honeywell. Then there's Back to the Bins, which Scott co-hosts with a cavalcade of podcasting's finest hosts. Both of those can be found at www.twotruefreaks.libson.com. Mike has two other podcasts he hosts or co-hosts as well. The first is Views from the Long Box, which Mike hosts all by his lonesome for the most part. And you can find that at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. Then there's the From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, which Mike hosts with Jeffrey Taylor. That show can be found at both www.supermanhomepage.com and www.fortressofbailytude.com. Thank you for listening, and join us next week as we present more Tales of the Justice Society of America. 